Welcome to the Hidden Why podcast. This is episode 706 with Beth Comstock. Imagine it forward, how to embrace change in the face of uncertainty. Enjoy the show. Cheers. Hey, and welcome to the final interview of the year, guys. This is uh, my chance to have a couple of weeks off, actually. I'm going to uh, take two weeks off doing anything for the podcast, the blog, etc. So I hope you don't miss me too much. But we will be back on the 7th of January in 2019 for a new bunch of interviews and other thoughts and bits and pieces that I often carry on with. Guys, I hope you've enjoyed this year. I certainly have. Um, check it out. It's been a challenging one, actually. A lot of lessons, a lot of uh, lessons learned and looking forward to how I can use those lessons to overcome the challenges of 2019 as well. But anyway, guys, here we are. This episode is with Beth Comstock. She is the author of Imagine It Forward. It's a really innovative and candid way about how to grapple with the challenges of change we face every day. As Beth states, confronting change is incredibly hard, both organizationally and personally. People become resistant. We are afraid, yet the pace of change in our world will never be slower than it is right now, which is why this is an important topic, why it's important to learn how to embrace change, how to master change in the face of uncertainty. Guys, I'm sure you'll get a heck of a lot out of this. Um, Also, just on that note, my book will be coming out next year as well. Well, I said that at this time last year, nothing happened, Um, but it's been a long process. So look, it will come out next year. It's um, just gone through the editing rounds and uh, now I just need to get it published. It'll be self-published. Support me with that. Enjoy this interview. Cheers. Talk at the other end. G'day, Beth, and welcome to the Hidden My Podcast. How are you today? I'm great. How are you doing? Really well, thank you. Nice early morning here. Uh, Very warm at the moment. Ah, well, it's that time of year, getting to be that time of year. It's a, I'm in New York. It's getting to be very cold here. Very cold. How exciting. <laughs> I wish I had a bit of cold. Uh, well, well welcome to the show, and um, thanks for coming on. You've um, got a very, um, I suppose, interesting career path, and you've just launched a book too, which is why I wanted to reach out and get you on the show. It's called Imagine It Forward, Courage, Creativity, and the Power of Change. So change is something that's hugely important. And certainly something that we talk about often on the show here. So I'm um, certainly interested to hear your story and, and the lessons you've learnt along the way of, of managing or, or dealing with change, um, perhaps in the face of adversity. So what what got you... What's that, sorry? That, that's, there's a lot to cover there. There is. There's heaps to cover. So we'll, we'll do our best. What, tell us your story, I guess, in a nutshell. Like, who is Beth and, and what are you all about? Yeah, well, thanks, Lee. I mean, I um, I call myself a change maker, but it doesn't mean I really like change. But I felt so compelled to write about uh, basically a career of navigating change. That's what I wrote my book about, um, because I feel like it's um, it's something every one of us has to deal with. The pace of change, we all know it's the world's much faster, but it's much more disruptive. And um, and most of us don't like change. We're afraid to do it. Um, big organizations or small. And I really wanted to kind of tackle the the fear. Um, and so that's really, I, I felt it was important to share a very personal story and that's what I do. I grew up in a very small town and, um, wanted to kind of get out and see the world and uh, I had to overcome the things that were holding me back. And I think that's often what holds us back in making or dealing with change is we're, we're, we can't get out of our own way. And so I try to document some of what I had to do to leave a small town, um, uh, I talk about, I start a business book in a way most aren't started that talking about a very personal divorce when I was in my twenties, 
um, and sort of willingly choosing to go forward as a as a single mother at the same time my career was taking off and mm. and kind of having to face into um, sometimes you need to make change happen or grab onto things, uh, grab onto something when change is happening. So I try to share a very personal story, but that's been my story, always about telling stories, about making change. And um, I got into business and I sort of built a career from storyteller to chief marketer to a vice chair of innovation for a very big company. And that's my story. Yeah, well, so there's probably a lot to unwrap in there, but um, I suppose you've dealt with the change a lot. You said you, you know, you don't like change. I sometimes wonder that myself, whether I like it or not, but I, I think I actually do like change because I think I like the often like the product at the other end, even though that it might be very uncomfortable in the process. Yeah. I mean, I, um, I had, I think I'm a curious person, so I'm always eager to learn about what's coming up, what's new, what's next. That was somehow, that was what I was able to grab onto to get over my fear of change or the uncertainty that comes with it. Um, curiosity. See, the curiosity was really kind of what helped me get comfortable because it was less about the ambiguity of not knowing or the disruption, but more of what can I learn? What's happening here? Can I learn earlier so that I'm less surprised? That that was what really what I tapped into for myself. And are you are you an introvert? I'm definitely an introvert. Um, I, um, I've had to learn to overcome the parts that hold me back and to appreciate the parts that are really good. I think on the Myers-Briggs, I, Myers-Briggs test, I test out as an INTJ. How about you? I can't remember. I can never hold on to that data. Uh, but I have done it. Um, but yeah, I, I am, uh, I'm an introvert, but perhaps not to the extent of some others, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting as I've been out talking uh, about being an introvert, um, I've had a lot of people say, you know, I am too. Um, it's also Susan Cain wrote the book Quiet, um, what, about five years ago, which I think was very helpful for me to understand just a, a clinical definition of introversion. So I think people are talking about it a lot more. But I think we're all, I think it's a spectrum. Um, and so I had extroverted parts of me. I just had to learn how to channel them to feel less awkward about it. Um, to not let the introverted parts that were holding me back do so. And what do I mean by that? For me, it would, um, it meant, um, first of all, I was never, and still not, the life of any party. I mean, you're never going to see me, you know, that people aren't going to go, oh my gosh, you won't believe what she did at that party. Never. Um, and <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm the kind of person that prefers solitude. I, I like being with people. I actually love connecting with people. But I had to get over some awkwardness that comes with it and sort of that connection. And so part of what um, I tried to document in the book is just sharing a journey, personal journey of kind of opening myself up and um, knowing, you know, when I was holding myself back. Like if I'm going to go to an, an event, I have to sort of set challenges for myself. I'm going to go, let's say there's a work reception Normally, I would go and I'd make a uh, do a round, a, you know, sort of do a uh, lap around the room and then leave, um, having met no one, having done nothing. And what a missed opportunity. So I uh, or I'd go to a meeting and um, I wouldn't speak or I wouldn't um, suggest an idea or mm. I wouldn't ask a question because I was reserved and quiet. And so I had to set small challenges for myself to say, you know you had a good idea and you need to ask it. I get to the point where I was so frustrated with not 
participating that I realized I I couldn't go I couldn't go on and and do a, jo- a job well. So I would just I really I, I kind of hacked my own behavior modification plan, yeah, which no. is really up small challenges for myself. Okay, this networking event tonight, you're gonna go. This is me talking to myself. You're gonna go. You're gonna go meet one person. So maybe it would be you. I'd say hi and then I'd leave. Yep. Next time I'm gonna go meet two people and so on. And I would try not to get. If it was okay if it was an awkward conversation, I just did it. Yay, I did it. So that's what I had to learn how to do um, to not let it hold me back. Okay, set little challenges for yourself. That's interesting. It certainly, um, it certainly, it does help just to to help take a little step forward, doesn't it? Take that action, uh, and that's sort of the. Um, the point where you can cross over that fear and and probably find on the other side that it's not so bad. Yeah, and exactly. It's it's almost becomes like a game gamification, if you will. There are good parts about being an introvert too. I mean, I think I'm um, I think I'm a good listener because I'm usually not the loudest one in the room or the one talking first. Hmm. Uh, I think it's I think introversion because I'm I'm holding back. I think it's made me a good observer. Um, so I think those things are important. And I raised it because, one, that's just, you know, it's who I am. But I also think when we put together teams, you need to be very thoughtful um, of the difference of perspectives that people bring. And especially in business, we tend to think it's very extroverted. Um, But you need quiet people in your midst, too, for the reasons I just said. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. So is, is this book written for that? personal change to to tackle those personal whether it be career or or personal challenges you might be facing to overcome them or is it more about um excuse me that change in the organization it's really both i think my premise is um change starts with you i'm not, not like i'm the first person that's ever said that but i believe that change starts with you and you can't really it's all you can control is is what you do and you can't really impact change in your organization if you're not willing to make some changes yourself and kind of grant yourself permission to take risks, try new things. So I think they're um, I think they're they're just integrally related. Uh, too often in organizations, we're just like, ah, uh, you know, we expect the boss of the company or someone else to do it, or you know, why why you know someone else's job to change the culture and. You sort of get these moments where you're like, actually, no, like that starts here with me, with my team. If, even if I'm just a, a team of two, what can we do to impact the change we want to see happen? So that's what I try to share is kind of a personal perspective. And then how do you think about it in an organizational setting where you have to work together? And that's often where things fall apart. Okay. So a lot of the, well, I suppose a lot or majority of the lessons that, that you share in the book are adaptable both for a personal situation or a group scenario as well. Absolutely. Um, and I think it's both. And that's why yeah. I've tried to be very deliberate in the storytelling. It's it's different because I do tell personal stories. Um, it's memoir-esque in that respect, but I didn't set out to write a memoir. I just wanted to share personal stories because I feel like that makes it more uh, relatable. I mean, this Absolutely. is how I saw it. Hmm. I had to deal with. Yeah. Okay. So let's go back to where, what um, what city did you grow up in? What town did you grow up in? You said you grew up in a small town. I grew up in the USA in a small town um, called in, in in the state of Virginia called Winchester, Winchester, Virginia. It's in the Shenandoah Valley. 
Um, and it was, uh, it's less small now, but when I grew up, it was very small. And, um, it's, you know, it's like, um, 75 miles outside of Washington, DC, just to give you a geographic hmm. sense of it. Okay. And what was it that took you from, I suppose, moving out of that, that small town mentality and, and going after something, uh, I don't know if the, if the direct move was New York, but you know, what was that move and, and how did that feel? Yeah, no, I mean, my town was all I knew. And I, um, I, I remember as a kid just loving geography and just dreaming about, you know, how people lived around the world. So I was always immensely curious. I, I didn't fly in an airplane until I was 17 years old. Hmm. Um, I think a lot of people can relate, yeah, like just to, to growing up in that, that small town, you've got, you know, your community, your friends, um, you've just got that solid base um, that sometimes is hard to, yeah, hard to let go of. Yeah, I mean, it's comfortable. It's what you know. Hmm. It's it's world. And I went to school um, in my home state. So I only, I went like, you know, 150 miles away to school. So it was not very far away. Um, and I think I just was restless. And I felt I, because I had studied, I knew there was more out there. Um, and I, um, I got married early and had a young daughter early, but I kind of had this early awakening that, wait a minute, I'm living this life that was prescribed for me, kind of small town, good girl. I did what I was supposed to do. Um, but I hadn't really ever asked myself, what do I want to do? What's, and so I just kind of felt, wait a minute, this story, I'm, the path I'm on, the story I'm living is not really what I think I want my story to be. So I got a divorce and sort of willingly chose to move forward in my mid twenties, um, as my career started as a single mother, as I mentioned earlier. Mm. Um, so that was all part of that kind of restlessness to, to say there's more out here that I need to experience that I want to be part of my story, that discovery has to be part of who I am. So you had that, that curiosity and sense of adventure sort of burning within you. Talk to me about curiosity sense only. I mean, it wasn't like I wanted to go, I'm, I'm a scaredy cat. It wasn't like I wanted to go like parachuting or mm. be an astronaut or something. It was more of a kind of a wonderlust of there's got to be other things to see other places to, to, uh, understand. So again, it was that curiosity. Um, so yeah, I'd say a small time explorer, not a, not a big time. I'm not like Shackleton or something. And I, I appreciate that. Like you, you know, you said you have that sense of restlessness and you know this this desire to to learn and, and explore, um, it, whether it be on a smaller scale, that's fine. But at the same time, you had this this comfort in you and this sort of introverted nature that sort of was holding you there. So it's a, it's a it's well, it's a very big um, conflict, isn't it? It to, is a big conflict. Yeah. To sort of manage it. But do you think about it at the time? Because I know I still I, I push myself to do some things that I go, oh, geez, what am I doing this for? Uh, for example, I went for a hike recently for three days into the forest by myself. Um, and going into it, I, I sort of think I'm crazy. But um, then coming out of it, I go, well, that's exactly what I wanted. Um, and it's that it's that same thing. It's that curiosity, a sense to get out there and a bit of solitude as well is, is always good. But um yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think everyone has that same sort of restlessness. Um, I, lo- I think a lot of people are, perhaps opposingly, very comfortable with staying in that little town and, and you know, doing what they've always done. 
And I think that's okay. I mean, you know what your tolerance is. That being said, just with the pace and disruptive nature of change in the world today, I do think you have to push yourself to get out there and understand it and see it or else you're not ready for it. You're caught off guard. And so it's a fine line. It is that tension. And in organizations, you have some people, I think I've gravitated toward this, who are just eager to figure out what's next. And some people who just, you know, keep the trains running, literally. You need both in your organization. So is it, because you talked about the prescribed life, like you were living that sort of life that was, I don't know, what everyone seems to expect. Do you think a lot of people are living that life and and perhaps just unaware of a different path or, or just without the sort of ambition that you might have had to look for other things? Well, I think I, I have a lot of respect for people who know themselves and know they don't need to strive for something else. There isn't that restlessness. I, I actually have I have great admiration for people who know that. Yeah. But I think it's also different from people who have a restlessness or have a curiosity and they're afraid of it and they're afraid of pushing themselves. So I think that comes to self-knowledge. And, um, and I just saw in the course of work that I think people are confused about that some, sometimes and they don't want to make change happen because they're afraid. Hmm. So what is the prescribed path? I mean, is that something that's, that's, that's common enough to say, yep, look, it's for some people, it's not for others. And you were just that case where it wasn't really for you because you had that sense of restlessness and desire to, to go out there. Yeah, I do. But I do think every, like, I think back to the spectrum of we all have a little bit of this, you know, even as somebody who just loves to be curious and discover my tension, my challenge is sometimes to say, no, not now. Like, just stop, be quiet, Uh be a moment. That's kind of my tension. I need more of that. Um, So I do think, uh, and if you're one of those people that's just, the stillness, the quiet, you don't, you don't want to go out and discover. I think you do have to make room in your life for a bit of discovery. Um, so I think it's the joy of life, but I also think, so you're not totally surprised or caught off guard when something new happens. Okay. Yeah. I like that point. That's, that's pretty true. Um, I could probably do more of that silence myself. Um, because yeah is there is there too much change you know is there too much pushing the boundaries pushing forward constantly changing can there be yeah, too think, much yeah i think there can and i had to const- i had to check myself a lot in the course of personal and professional life of is this just cuz i'm kind of addicted to change or is this cuz this needs to change like usually in most situations there's always something that can be better And so if you see the world that way, this optimism, this iterative, like better, better, there's always something that can be better. Mm. Um, And but yet there are times, I think, when you have to say, well, now may not be the right time. Timing comes into it. And and I again, I think it's back to in a business context, it's your strategy, your North Star. I think that applies in a personal context too. again, your why, what's your purpose, Um, is my purpose just to discover new things to what end? 
Um, mm. You know, you you constantly I think have to go back to that strategic filter of why am I doing this and does this still resonate with my why? If not, don't do it. So when assessing sort of how much is too much or is this change necessary, really connecting back with that that sense of purpose. Then that yeah, that purpose, that strategy. I mean, I I just think that's critical um, because I got accused fairly um, from some of my work colleagues. Um, one of my colleagues called me the dog from Up, the movie Up, and I hadn't seen Up. I had to go and watch it to understand what this meant. But basically. It's the dog that goes and chases after all the shiny new things. Yep. And my colleagues got frustrated with me because I was always like, this is cool. That's great. Do this. Do that. They're like, we don't – we've lost sense of priorities sometimes, and people like me do that. And so I needed to, one, be able to accept feedback from them. Two, they had to be feel comfortable saying to me, like, enough. Help us prioritize. So there are times, and again, it brought it back to that filter of, oh, that, as opposed to, I needed to say that's interesting, but no action needed, or that's interesting, but doesn't apply to us, and here's why, hmm. uh, as opposed to just always being chasing after everything, and I, and I think there's an important distinction there. Yeah, okay. That's, that's very relevant uh, to our personal lives as well. Um, it's so easy to sort of because we're so um, confronted by the information, the images, the visuals, you know, we're so connected globally um, that we're always chasing. It feels like we're always chasing and we need to sort of maybe pull it back a bit, take a little bit of a, uh, a pause and, and really reconnect with that goal, that purpose, you know, that, that North Star to um, really understand well, what's important and what's not so we can, you know, sometimes choose less is more. Yeah, exactly. I often... Um, and again, this was something I learned through business, but I think it's uh, applicable personally with people I know per- personally and professionally. I'll, I do an exercise with them where, you know, sort of like, what's your story? What's your mission? Y- you know, and then you almost like put it up on a on a mood board or something where I have mine on my desk and I'm just constantly refreshing it. And when I'm in those times when I'm like overwhelmed and trying to make decisions, because I want to do every new thing. I want to, I fall in love with every new idea, at least for 10 seconds. When those moments when you're overwhelmed by all that to go back and go, okay, is this relevant to this purpose right now? Or to say there's so much of this happening, do I need to change that a little bit? But I do think um, it's a, it's a very disciplined approach to do that. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, how, how do you find that, that discipline? Well, it's hard because I love, as I said, I love every new idea, at least for a minute. Um, I, I think going back to this, the, the filtering that kind of why, I also think, um, especially it's this way and for sure at work, but I think it's relevant maybe in your family situation when you think about, let me start with work, just why should I be the one that goes and explores all that? One, can I go with my team? Can we all go and discover this together? It's much more impactful if we all have a shared experience as opposed to me just having that experience and having to come back and translate it. For one, it's just less real. Uh, you know, it gives other people development opportunities. Um, and in the course of your family, we all get certain roles we take on. Do you always have to do that? Why? Maybe it's somebody else's turn to experience that. Hmm. Yeah. So maybe a sense of a shared mission or, you know, maybe um, 
yeah, delegating to other people to, to explore as well. Yeah, we when in the teams I worked with um, when I was at GE, um, I loved this notion of field trips. Yeah, and they could be elaborate or they could be quite simple. And I'll start with the simple. So um, we tried once a month to do Friday field trip Fridays, and it was um, we would just take off the afternoon together, and we would go and explore a new trend, a new idea. It could be going to a retail store could be going to an exhibit. It could be going to meet a new uh, startup or a university professor. Yeah. Just something we wanted and, again, experience it together. And then they got could be more elaborate. And, again, you need more budgets. And with a bigger company, not that GE, we were pretty tight with our money. But um, I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, when we were trying to understand non-hierarchical leadership, meaning you know we were trying to get away from command and control leadership, I sent a team of top-tier executives to live in a mil- in military barracks in Israel for two weeks. Because, one, I could tell them about right. it. I could consult them come in. But until they actually got there and lived with the military, they couldn't understand it. And they had to see it for themselves. Hmm. Um, for me, I, um, I think one of the more profound experiences I had in work was um, when I got the opportunity to go to Saudi Arabia. And... At the time, I was one of the first women in my company who went to Saudi, and women were not as welcome there at that point. And um, in fact, one of my colleagues, another woman, said uh, she did business in the Middle East and had Saudi customers. And she said, uh, I make my customers meet me in Europe or in um, Dubai. I, I will never go to Saudi. I don't like the way they treat women. Well, I didn't like what I was reading either, but I thought I had to go see for myself. And so I did, and um, well. that was a team we put together. We, we had a hunch that there, we knew the government was investing in health care, and we went to see for ourselves, and I met some of the most amazing women, first of all, and we saw that one of the challenges in the country was women were dying of stage four breast cancer. Hmm. And so we set a program together with the government, um, the Saudi government, to one, we came up with digital avatars so women could ask about health symptoms rather than, you know, not being diagnosed. We redeveloped uh, mammography vans um, because women couldn't drive to get breast, ca- breast exams. And so none of that would have happened if a group of us hadn't gone to see for ourselves, as uncomfortable as it might have been. Yeah. Um, it ended up being profound and it created a new business opportunity for us. So I, I'm just a big believer in um, going to see for yourself, and it's much better when you can go as a team. Yeah, well, shared, I guess, shared perspectives creates um, more intricate or innovative ideas as well. Yeah. Um, are you are you quite a busy person generally? Like, can you just not sit still? <laughs> are you? Um, That's go. me. My husband says I never stop, and he's right. I'm I'm working on that. I'm much better. I don't meditate. I've tried. I'm just, I have a busy brain. And what, um, um, were you like as a child, did you find yourself bored often? Yeah, I was bored, but I was, I was a big rule kid. I was like the good girl. And so I did what I was supposed to do, but, um, I was restlessly curious. I was always reading books. I mean, summers to me were the most exciting time because I had a huge reading list and I just kind of go off into my imaginative fiction land and just read tons of books. So, Okay. Um, I, I loved that kind of, that was my upbringing and I did a lot of nature exploring. I still do. I love nature, but I went to a camp that was about nature and, 
Um, so, so that part was a way to um, exercise that restlessness to get out in nature. Okay, so still now, like to to tackle that um, a sense sense of restlessness uh, is to get out in nature, go for a hike, read a book. Is that sort of the things? Not not so much meditation, I, I hear. Still love. That. I mean, to me, na- being in nature is meditative. Maybe that's my yeah. meditation space. Um, you said you just were out on your own personal hike. I mean, I just there's just something you ha- you you're just quiet. You just you're just there. Hmm. Okay. So, in the book, imagine it forward. What is imagining it forward all about? Yeah. Well, it's a, it means a couple of different things to me. It's about um, you know just sort of this belief that. Uh, that you can fight for better, that you can imagine a better way and you're going to make it happen. Um, it's also, I'm trying to talk about, um, opening up to new ideas, new, new possibilities. So I think I'm trying to convey a a sense of optimism about the future. Um, and a sense that as humans, we have this unique gift. It's our imagination and we can not only imagine these new futures, but we can actually shape and make them. And, um, and I think that it's a very active, I'm trying to make a very active message. And I worry in the world today that, um, our reliance on data, um, sort of checklist efficiency in companies, um, we're kind of squeezing the imagination out of our organizations. We want predictability, reliability, efficiency, and we're not making enough room for creativity and I'm specifically talking about imagination as creative problem solving. Okay. I um, spoke to, I've spoken to a couple of people recent times um, about their concerns in a different, a number of different contexts, but um, basically short term thinking. And I think there's a correlation there between, you know, imagination or creativity and um, long term thinking. What are your thoughts? I, I do. I mean, that's part. Imagine it forward is about scenario planning. Also, it's about, you know, can you challenge yourself to think of possible new futures? Um, because we have to get ready for many of them evolving all at once. I mean, back in the early 2000s, you recall there was the book, the black swan. I mean, you have black swans in Australia, but you know, this notion that you get a black swan, you know, once every thousand years or something, how many times now do people talk about these catastrophic events that are happening often now? Mm. And it's happening, I think, because just the pace of change, the hyperconnectivity. Um, I'm a big science, I'm a science buff, studied biology, and I think this notion of emergence and the science of emergence where kind of random acts come together and form patterns. And if you're not careful, they can disrupt you. Um, and I think that lack of imagination means sometimes we fail to see or refuse to see some of those patterns or imagine where those patterns might take us. And I'll give you a couple of examples. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, one of my favorite exercises to challenge people, just imagine, think of something right now that's a constant in your life. could be personal or professional. A constant um, in our life? A constant, something you think like it's not going to ever go away. You know, the sky is blue. I don't know. Think of something in your business life. Now imagine you woke up tomorrow and it it wasn't that way. Hmm. Every day we see business confronted with things like that. I mean, you know, in the taxi business, they couldn't imagine that that, that would go away and the Ubers and the Lyfts came along. I worked a lot in the energy space. 
um, where everyone thought centralized fossil fuel energy generation was not going to go away. They couldn't imagine that solar and wind would one day be cheaper than fossil fuels, which it will be by 2020. Yeah. I mean, south of the peak oil. So on and on. And even to the point that um, Earth scientists are saying that um, – that the magnetic fields are weakening and changing, and it's it's a possibility that the constancy of North Pole and South Pole could change. Yeah, I just read the, that the other day. It's crazy. South, right? So, so I, again, I think these are good exercises just to challenge yourself to say, what if that went away? Hmm. What would you do? What is a creative problem I might think about? So is that just so we can see perhaps the uncertain futures or the the... I guess, the variety of different futures that might exist? I think you're just sort of challenging, challenging yourself with a mental awareness. With a, 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 It's an adapt. It's kind of like exercising your adaptability muscles. I, don't, I mean, we don't really have those. But, I mean, your, your adaptation capabilities. Um, I think it's really important to, to do that, to, to have a regular, especially in companies that have regular scenario planning efforts. They tend to be somewhat academic, something that someone does once a year and then they kind of put it back in the book and go ahead. But um, those things are perhaps more real than doing a five-year business plan. Do you really think those numbers in five years are going to be exactly what you planned? They're going to be no. So how do you start to think about just regularly challenging your assumptions and what would you do differently? Hmm. Um, I think it's an important part of being ready for change and being more adaptable. It's a figure it out You're trying, you know, I mean, we often think of kind of risk planning as what you're trying to stop. I, I, I met someone recently who said, um, he said, hey, my job's risk, risk risk avoidance. What advice do you have for me? It's like, good luck. You're like, you're going to fail. I don't know what to say. There's no way you can avoid risk. To me, it's about necessary risk. and It's about creative problem solving in the face of these constraints and challenges. And to me, risk is the will to act on imagination. Hmm. Um but I feel like we want to avoid it. We think, especially in companies, we're supposed to be risk-free. And partly what I'm saying is trying to, to me, the creative problem-solving imagination, it's about a figure-it-outness. It's, a, it's a, like we need, what if the checklist isn't there? I'll tell you a, a story um, that, to me, brought this home for me. So I was flying, um, you know, going home from in the U.S. from San Francisco back to New York, and the flight was delayed. The pilot came out into the area and he said, um, so the good news is I've got some, you know, the good news is we've been cleared to fly. The bad, or he goes, we've, the bad news is we lost our autopilot. The good news is we've been cleared to fly because I'm certified to fly without autopilot. I've been flying for 34 years. I'm one of the few remaining pilots in this airline who can fly without autopilot. And I can't wait. I've been, I love these kind of flights. I'm so excited. And I think that's part of what we're challenged with right now in companies and organizations is we're kind of on autopilot. Hmm. What happens if the autopilot goes out? It happens in every organization. How are you going to adapt? How do we test for that? And I think that's our challenge. Okay. So maybe imagining these scenarios where, where things potentially will change, whether they will or not, um, can really strengthen that problem-solving, creative problem-solving sort of muscle. Yeah, give people – another one is give people incredible constraints. I mean, none of us who work have the budgets we want or at life. We don't – most of us don't have unlimited salaries and income. 
you know, how do you get creative in the constraints you have? Um, this idea of figuring it out, just throwing people into new situations where they don't have experience or expertise and seeing how they're going to solve that problem. Uh, doing that with your kids. We, we don't do enough of that. Okay, so these, these are more some of the activities that you're sharing in the book. Um, is what I'm picking up. So imagining something that might change, incredible constraints, figuring it out, just throwing you into the deep end and seeing yep. if you can you can sink or swim, I guess, that strategy. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Have you seen, and I'm, I'm assuming you have, but have you seen these sort of activities and ideas really enhance people's ability to better problem solve? Well, I, I have. I mean, in the sense, uh, I'll give you, you know, yes, I have. The answer is yes, I have. Yeah. And some examples if you want, but yes, I have. Yeah, please, some examples, yeah. Yeah, well, as I said, I mean, I, I saw too many business plans where everybody spent all their time putting the perfect financial forecast together, and my experience is that the forecast is rarely reality. Hmm. But we didn't imagine were different forces of competition. What if regulation changed? Um, what if climate changed? What, you know, we, we didn't imagine potential scenarios that could threaten our forecasts and then they were wrong. Um, so far better, I think. And uh, another example, I, I, I take clean tech as a, as a good example, as somebody who um, pushed very hard for clean tech in, uh, in a traditional energy company um, in many cases, we weren't fast enough to move because people always think, oh, well, that's too far off or I, we don't know how we'll make money doing that. As opposed to testing and learning and experimenting different business models, you just delay it and then it emerges in much more potent form and it's always much faster than you imagine. I saw the same thing with the uh, arrival of digital media. Mm. So by, by creating you know, challenger teams or small experiments – um, so that people could get comfortable with it, create small business units so that people could start to plant a seed in those areas. That, that's, that's what you need to do in the course of business. Okay, yeah. What are some of the, um, the best, uh, what do you call it, the best strategies that you have, uh, maybe from your book or, or your career, to really encourage this sense of change and allow people to imagine it forward? You mentioned a few already. Is there one of those particular that stand out to you? Well, I think there's two things. I think it is this sense of giving yourself permission to just get out and explore and take small risks. So I think it's a mindset shift. That's the first thing. And the second is you just have to make room for discovery. You really must get out in the world, um, see things that challenge your point of view, invite in people with different points of view, invite in criticism, um, so I think those are, to me, those are the essential steps. When you're out in the world discovering, you're, you're doing pattern recognition. You're starting to say, hey, I see things coming together. And you can only do that by getting out and seeing it. I mean, it's far more effective than having someone give you a report about it. Hmm. Okay. Because, I mean, we hear this often enough is, you know, get out of the comfort zone, um, face your fears. Um, and it's a, great, it's a great advice, but often people still find it's very difficult to get out of the comfort zone and face the fears. Is there any bit of advice you could give them around doing that? I mean, having that curiosity well, yeah. um, towards something, finding some, I don't know, value or, or some joy in what that could look like? 
Yeah, well, I mean, certainly when being told to get out of your comfort zone, I mean, no one wants to be told to do something. I think you have to you have to uh, tap your curiosity. Um, just get out there. Just get out and start observing things. I keep a notebook of interestingness. Like hmm. first time I see something, I go, that's interesting. Second time I ask, is that a coincidence? Third time I declare it a trend, and then I go to work to understand what's happening. For example, um, agriculture tech. I've been seeing a lot of interesting things happening in agriculture with the arrival of data and technology. You see the emergence of plant-based food diets. Um, if I were a dairy farmer or a cattle farmer right now, I'd be really paying attention to that trend. Yeah. Um, I dealt with recently with some folks who came who were in a traditional beer company and they were flummoxed that they had been caught off guard by the craft beer movement. But that was all knowable. Um, So getting out of your comfort zone sounds like something you needle point on a pillow. But um, how much more comfortable are you when that disruptor disrupts you? You're very uncomfortable. It's a little late to be doing something at that point. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Do you subscribe to Stoic philosophy at all? To Stoic philosophy? Yeah. I, I do. I, um, I've actually, because I studied science, I'm, I kind of missed a wave of philosophy. I've been trying to be self-taught in philosophy, and I, I, I do I, I, I do like Stoicism. I, I like the work of, you know, especially of people like Marcus Aurelius and some of that. Um, I, I do. Why, why do you ask? Well, just some of these ideas of yours is, is sort of um, very philosophical, I guess, and, and one that sort of stands out is, um, you know, incredible constraints. Um, they, they, they talk, talk about really putting yourself into a position where it's uncomfortable for a prolonged period of time, just so you can really, I guess, strengthen that mindset that it, Hey, it's not so bad. And that might be fasting for three days without food. Um, certain things like that to really, you know, stretch the constraints and, and test your, your mental uh, strength. Yeah, I think there's a little of that. To me, I'm I'm coming at it from a bit of a different perspective, which is just to get a new perspective. In the book, I this phrase I like I use called you know get outside the jar. Hmm. This notion of um, when you're inside a pickle jar, you can't see the front of the label. You have to get outside the jar. Yeah. Um, so I think I'm I'm uh, yeah. I talk a lot about the struggle, but I'm thinking in this case I'm specifically talking about just getting a new perspective, inviting in difference. Um, encouraging difference so that you can get yourself out of that situation. And um, yeah, often often better um, done with others as well as perhaps alone and, and just getting out amongst it. Yeah, I mean, I'll often say to people, just take, um, I don't know what your route is to work, but take a different route. Hmm. One, see new things, but when you go back to that old route, I guarantee you'll see something different. You're traveling. Um, you go into the newsstand at the airport, um, pick up a magazine on a subject you would never read, just to challenge yourself to say what kind of new perspectives. I, I did this with someone recently, and she, she sent me a note saying, oh, I, I read, uh, like, modern wrestling or something. You know, I mean, just – and I had five new ideas on something. I mean, it's silly, right? But it's the small hacks that I think – uh, when you meet somebody new, instead of just saying, you know, how are you? What do you do? Ask them, what's the new discovery you've made? What's a trend in your industry? What's something that surprised you recently and why? 
So I think these are the kinds of things I'm talking about to change your perspective. Hmm. Yeah. I love it. Look, I assume there's a lot more hacks and um, ideas in the book that you're sharing here as well with the audience. So I just want to encourage everyone to go and check it out. I'll stick the link in the show notes at thehiddenwhy.com. So uh, this is episode 706. Um, please check out the show notes there. And if it's of interest, uh, grab yourself a copy using that link. Um, Beth, I've got a few questions that I ask all guests now uh, at the end of the show. So the first question I have for you is, do you have any routines or rituals you believe contribute to your success? I do. I'm a very disciplined person. I'm very organized. I guess it is a, I'd say two. Well, the discovery piece, I've talked about this whole time. So that's clearly make room for discovery. I do that. Routines, otherwise, I am I really am big on the um, morning papers that I adopted out of The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. Where first thing in the morning, I fill three to five pages of just writing, clearing my head, downloading dreams, it really, um, it really helps my creative energy. Um, and um, I love cleaning things out and organizing when I have to take on a big project. Um, I love nothing more than to do a deep cleaning. There's just something about the mental, like creating mental space by doing that physically. Yeah, well, I like that. And with the um, sense of discipline, I mean, you said you're very disciplined and organized. Is, is it hard for you to be spontaneous? Um, do you have outbursts? Are there the areas of your life where you really struggle to have that discipline? Um, yeah, it's a good question. I'm pretty disciplined. That's some of the things, one of the things I'm working on is that more ser- the serendipity. Um, and I'd say discovery is that for me, just getting out and discovering and saying, let me go down this way or, you know, having no particular no particular agenda and just kind of walking and seeing where I end up. So I do try to um, break that up. Like art really helps me do that. Like looking at art and things like that. How do you manage that, that schedule? Like, is it something that you just randomly one day a month or a week just say, look at this day is, is dedicated to whatever. Yeah, or, it is. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a like weekly thing or a daily thing where you say, look, I'm going to go for a uh, hour walk every morning or anything like that. I definitely do it weekly. Um, weekends are that, especially for me, where I'll check out something new or I'll just say I'm going to just go wander. Um, and um, I tried when I when I was working in an office, I tried to schedule. Um, if I couldn't do it every day, I definitely made sure I did it every week. Hmm. Just a little bit of time. You know, if it's just going out, taking a 30-minute meander at lunch just to go see something new. Um, I often kept time on my schedule just to meet with new people. I, I developed at GE quite a, uh, I think, a, a, a reputation as somebody who was quite approachable. If you had an idea, I was often the one you'd call to pitch it to, um, back to what I said earlier. But I had to carve out time for that. Yeah, okay, cool. And what is your definition of success? Well, it's changed over the years. Mm. I think um, for me, where I am right now, the ability to just do your best work and with a team that's committed to doing their best work, to me, that's success. I, I, I love that. I've been fortunate to be able to do that, and I feel successful to be able to say that. Okay. What advice would you give your 20-year-old self? I would tell her not to worry so much um, and maybe to go more with the flow to what we were saying earlier. Not, to, not everything has to be so neatly organized and scripted and planned. Yeah, cool. What's a skill, tool, resource, or technique that has improved your overall effectiveness or productivity? 
Well, I'd say just uh, maybe less the productivity, but overall effectiveness is just opening up to feedback and creating more feedback loops for myself and the way I work. Um, just asking different people to give me feedback, people I respect, whether it's, you know, sort of personally or professionally. So just saying, tell me something I don't want to hear. And I mean, really tell me what I don't want to hear. So asking for feedback would be, would be that for me. Hmm. And someone looking to make some change in their life, what would uh, one piece of advice you could give them? Well, I think it would be where we where we talked about earlier, like spend some time on your mission, your your North Star, you know, like, what are you hoping to accomplish? What's your story? They're slightly different, but like, why are you doing this? Yeah. And, and interrogate it, really beat it up, be able to be very clear on your intent, your purpose. Can you communicate it? Can you communicate it to yourself? Um, and so that you're not just making change for change sake or because you think it's the trendy thing to do or cause your mother told you to do it or something. Um, you're doing it because you have thought it through. You have a plan. There's a reason, there's a purpose, you know, what problem you're trying to solve or what need exists in the world that you're trying to fulfill. Uh, I think that's important. For those that don't perhaps clearly know that, is there, and I know this might be a longer sort of uh, long, longer question to answer, but um, is there some sort of advice you give them around how to connect with that that sense of purpose for them individually? Well, they're big words, and it could be as simple. Okay, I'll give you just a simple. This is kind of silly, but like I'm going to get my hair cut. Why? Why am I going to get my hair cut? Because I'm at a new stage in life, and I want a new definition of of myself and how I want to be seen in the world. Hmm. So that's one way I am going to make a small but to me significant change is I'm going to cut my hair. Um, but I have a good reason. It's not because I'm doing it because everybody's cutting their hair and I want to look cool. It's because I want to make a statement. I want to say, I want to challenge myself to do something. So to me, those are two very different things. And it can be very, I'm talking about small things. I'm not talking about, you know, okay, I'm going to uproot my whole life. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to move to Australia or I'm going to move to the U.S., wherever you are. Um, it doesn't have to be that major. I'm going to fly to Mars. You know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about small, even small things. You, you have to have a pretty good reason. Yeah. And maybe some just why not if you're going to just test something, but do you know the reason? I suppose it's bringing that level of self-consciousness or awareness to, to what you do in every, exactly. yeah, exactly. cool. If you were to be served your last meal, what would you be requesting? Uh, well, my mother makes incredible fried chicken, so I would definitely be asking for fried chicken, I think. Nice one. Which goes against plant-based diet that I'm uh, I'm trying to adhere to and seeing for the future. But boy, do I like that! Yeah, I get that. What activity gives you the greatest sense of joy? Well, I think it's just connecting with other people and and being out in the world, discovering th- those two things. And I feel like I need to have both of them together to just do discovery on my own is a bit lonely sometimes. Yeah, if you could pick one book to pass down to your children. Uh, or future generations, what would it be? Well, I would pass my book because it's my generations, but um, uh, that's a good question. I think it would, I love books. I, I just, I think it depends on what message I'm trying to convey to them. Um, Perhaps in aligned with the message that we've sort of talked about here today. Yeah. Well, 
I, I like, this is more in a work context, but I really like uh, recommending Twyla Tharp's Creative Habit to people because I'm not sure it's as, uh, gener- you know, I'm not sure it's a book for all eons, but it's a good book to pass on for people. I, I meet so many people who say, but I'm not creative. And I think everyone has a creative capability. Um, so I would give them that because there's simple practices and tools that she is a choreographer um, and has has followed and, and it sort of unlocks the creativity in everyone. And I think if I, w- I, that would be one thing that comes to mind, but probably not as weighty as the question you're asking. What was the um, title of the book, sorry? The Creative Habit by Twyla Tharp. Creative Habit. Okay. I'll stick it in the show notes, guys. Check it out. And if you could quote, uh, sorry, if you could text or tweet um, one quote, phrase, or message, what would that be? Um, my quotes too. Um, I think it would just be, I forget who said this too. I think it would just be, be the change right now. That's where my head is. Was that Muhammad? Or Gandhi or something. Gandhi. Maybe Gandhi. Yeah. Cool. And do you believe we all have a hidden why? Or a deeper purpose? Um, I believe we all have m- many purposes, but yeah, I believe I believe we do. Um, I, I do. What does living life with passion and purpose mean to you? Well, I guess I I struggle to think of living life without either, to be honest, because it's what motivates me. Um, I get most energy from the things I'm passionate about. To me, that's a litmus test back to that filter. If I'm not passionate about something, it's really hard to summon the energy. Um, so I think, um, I think, you know, it's a, it's a journey of self-knowledge. What interests you? What are you passionate about? Um, you have to open up to not just new things happening out there, but new things happening inside yourself and ask yourself those questions. Yeah, fantastic. And what do you believe is the underlying motivation behind everything you do? Me personally or humans? No, you personally. Um, well, I definitely think it's curiosity and connection. I think it's the, the drive to discover and the just the, the just human need to, to connect with others, to share ideas. Curiosity and connection. And that's sort of uh, where our conversation started off with today is is having that that, that curiosity to, to drive, you know, you forward and look at things from a different perspective. And I think um, it's a great way to be, certainly. Um, yeah, a lot of our, the greats that we know, Leonardo da Vinci, he was very curious, wasn't he? And always yeah. combined his arts to um, come up with new ideas and perspectives. Um, that's another book to recommend, Lee, is uh, Walter Isaacson's book on Leonardo da Vinci is a really good one. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? So, um, yeah, well, look, thanks for coming on, Beth. It's been uh, great for you to, to come and take the time out of your day and share uh, with the audience your book and, and the lessons um, through your life as well. Um, so I just want to encourage everyone out there to jump on and, and pick up a copy of the book as well, Imagine a Forward, available at all the major bookstores, but there will be a link in the show notes as well so you can pick up a copy if you wish. Uh, Beth, any final words? How can people be uh, best to reach you? 
Yeah, well, thank you for the opportunity, Lee. Great talking to you. Um, I'm, uh, I've got the book out. I, um, you can find me on social media. I, I'm especially uh, uh, engaged on LinkedIn. So if you want to have a more detailed engagement, you can find me on LinkedIn at Beth Comstock. Yeah, cool, cool. Stick it all in the show notes, guys. Check it out. And um, thank Beth for coming on the show. Connect with her. And until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels, using the icons on the platform that you're listening to The Hidden Why podcast. Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwide.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwide.com. Just enter your email address there, and also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcasts. You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link. It helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or, yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out, again, at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose and in doing so you will discover your hidden why this is the hidden why my name is Lee Manutzi until next time peace passion and purpose see you soon